Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We've got a great guest. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. The idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you. Check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back on the weekend edition. We've got a great guest this weekend. He's the best-selling business author of all time. Welcome to the show, Robert Kiyosaki. Thank you very much, Victor. In honor of 100,000 downloads, we gave we had a contest. We gave away an autographed copy of your book, Second Chance. And for the December issue of the book of the month, we're reviewing Second Chance. And the criteria for being the book of the month is very, very simple. It has to be a book that when you read it, it will either change your life or it'll change your perspective on the world. Very simple criteria, and your book certainly does that. So for the listeners, why don't you give us a little bit of some of the background on the book, why you wrote it. I know there was three sections, so why don't we go through that part? Well, first of all, congratulations on 100,000 downloads. Thank you. And then thank you for promoting my books. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, Second Chance was written for me a long time ago. Yes. And as you know, much has changed since then. Yes. In fact, it's changing every day now. Yes. So Second Chance was written when I would say things were not stable, but more quiet. And the reason I I liked it was I used a lot of charts and graphs in it. Mm -hmm. And charts and graphs, you know, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. And when when I started using charts and graphs, I I thought the person who read the book could read the charts because charts are kind of right brain, you know, they're pictures. Yes. And words are left brain. So the combination of left brain and then right brain and then your own thoughts and your own emotions come up, it was a chance to rethink things. Because as you know, you know, most of those guys here were at the New Orleans Investment Conference, yes, which everybody should come and just experience once. The world's changed so much as we talk right now and things are going to change. But in my opinion, we're set for a major stock market correction. Absolutely. Possible, you know, 10% collapse. And a collapse is different than a correction. And it might be a a 1,500-year collapse because every 1,500 years, the world collapses. So the last collapse was the end of the Roman Empire. Right. And before that, before the Roman Empire was the Bronze Age. So we might be on what this call a multi- thousand year cycle of boom and bust and collapse. So that's why I wrote Second Chance. And so a person could then think. But since Second Chance was written, most of it's come true. So it might be too late to read the book. (laughs) Not really, but you can still get a glimpse of what might happen because nobody really knows. Well, that's right. And I mean, it's written in three sections, right? Past, present, and, and future an awful lot of what happens, you look at it and say, okay, so this happened. So now the question is, what does it actually mean? What does it mean to you? Correct. Correct. Is it an opportunity? Is it a disaster? That's really up to you to determine what that really means, right? So correct. as you look forward, you know, we've got an awful lot of headwinds. We've got things to obviously be concerned about, but you can prepare. You may not be able to control it, but you can certainly control your response. Correct. Correct. That's, That's exactly how I look at it. 
what would be the message to someone today? You know, to, well, how can you position yourself better for what we believe is coming? Okay, well, look, we have to look at the dates of today because, you know, tomorrow things going to be different again. Correct. So this is November 2018. Yes, of course. So today, the four things I watch that are headwinds, I mean, they're, they're dangerous if, if they don't blow away, you know. So number one is the rising interest rates. Yes. Number two is China's in serious trouble. So, China, uh, you know, so Trump is pushing them, which is important because they are, you know, I've done a lot of business in China. They do steal our property. Yes, they, they do. They stole a gold mine from me. Yes. In Dalian, China. They stole the whole damn thing. They just took it. So they play by a different set of rules. And there's reasons for that because they have a billion two people they got to feed. Yes. You know, and China has one of the most violent histories in the history of the world. You think we had the American Revolution, Civil War. That's nothing compared to what China went through. Yes. So the third thing is the strength of the dollar. And the dollar cannot operate in a vacuum. It just can't be strong by itself. So the Trump tax cuts have made the dollar more stronger or stronger, plus the rising interest rates makes the dollar stronger. While the dollar gets stronger, less competitive. We can't export, and we can't export, then people lose their jobs again. And the fourth thing that I've been watching for probably 25 years is retirement plans. Oh, yes. And I don't see much being written about retirement, but the baby boomers are in serious trouble. You know, like the IMF says the most serious concern are state and local government pensions. You know, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is like the FDIC for banks, the PBGC for retirements is broke. Social Security is broke. Uh, Spain is completely broke. Absolutely. Chicago, Illinois is broke with retirements. So that's kind of why I wrote Second Chance. Unfortunately, they, people might be out of time. You know, if you're my generation, the old guys, baby boomers, what can you do with such little time left? That's my concern. So the second chance was written for another era, but the future is here now. Right. Like I said, it was in three parts. We spent a lot of time in Europe this summer, and I see our future in Europe now. What do you see? So I look at real estate in all over France, Italy. It's less expensive today than it was 20 years ago. Wow. Because it has to do with affordability. You can buy properties for far below replacement costs today. And, of course, their cost of construction is much higher because they're building out of stone and concrete and so on. But, for example, my cousin who owns a place in Milan, it's worth less today than when he bought it new in 1998. And that's a story that is repeating itself. I was amazed at the properties, the price that you could buy amazing properties all over France and Italy and Spain. That's beautiful areas, too. You know it is, and it has to do with affordability. Right, right, right. It really does. You know, this is happening in America today because the other thing I watch is homelessness. And yes. my brother's a property manager in Hawaii, and he has a lot of homeless people living in their cars on, his, on their commercial properties. Right. So he says he, he goes up and he hates to say, hey, you have to move along. You can't live here in your car. And he says most of these guys living in the cars have jobs. They just can't afford a home or can't afford an apartment. They don't make enough money. I was looking at statistics for homelessness in California, and the numbers are shocking. I mean, 6% of the population. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a shocking number. Yeah. I know. 
and a lot of them are working. Yeah, they're not they're not bums. You know what I mean? You think of a homeless person as a bum. These people are working homeless. And I told the story today at the New Orleans conference that my brother was walking on the beach. He saw a classmate living in a tent on the beach. You know, so he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're homeless." He goes, "I'm not homeless." I have a home. I'm just renting it out. I make so much money renting it out, I can live on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Which gives you, a, gives you an idea of why real estate is, yeah. in my opinion, depending on the debt structure, sure. is probably very more secure than a stock right now. Absolutely. You know, I grew up in the world of stocks and bonds. My uncle owned a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. He was one of the... Th- wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he was one of the thousand members of the exchange and... So I grew up in that world, and today I own almost no stock because you know I saw how little control the independent investor has. That's the word control. Exactly. None. None. Absolutely zero. Yeah. You know, and then when I became an officer of a U.S. public company, and I saw our CEO go on Jim Cramer's TV show and lie to the American public, I said, <laughs> "Holy cow! How many other boardrooms in America is this happening? Yeah. Is this the only one?" The answer is no. Yeah. Right. Whereas I feel like in real estate, if we take on a development project, we have a tremendous amount of control. We're controlling the value that's being created. Whereas the independent investor, they have no control. Right. You know, for those who read my books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the Cash Flow Quadrant, you have the quadrants E, S, B, and I. Yeah. I doesn't stand for investor. It stands for insider. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? If you buy stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, or ETFs, you're an outsider. Right. And as my Rich Dad used to say, if you're not on the inside, you're outside. And what you Insight is the same as control. Right. And I want inside information as fast as I can get it. And the average guy on the outside with their mutual funds, they're so far out, they don't even know what's happening in Mars. You know, that's a, that's a very powerful insight. If you look at the projects that we're building right now, we didn't research these. We, we didn't, you know, look to Google for answers. We talked directly, for example, the Port of Lake Charles. We talked to the port director who's negotiating directly with these petrochemical plants that are making multi-billion dollar investments, we find out firsthand what's really happening on the ground, what's real. Correct. What's real. Yeah, what's real. And what's fake. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I can plug my next book. It's called Fake. It's coming out next, next April, I think. I can't wait. It's called Fake Money, Fake Teachers, and Fake Assets. You know, it's funny. I, um, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, I uh, put out an episode, and it was called The Truth, The Half-Truth, Nothing But The Half-Truth. Oh, that's good. That's good. And what triggered that was the, the headline that we are at the lowest unemployment rate since 1969. Now, that's true, and it's half-true, because where are we in terms of workforce participation? We're still far below the peak. Right. In fact, workforce participation was higher in 2015 than it is today. So yeah. which is more important? People, you know, claiming unemployment or people working. It's not the same. Well, how do you count employment? You know, if you work one day, you're employed. That's right. And that's what they don't tell you. Right, right. Well, can I say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Like you're on assisted living or something? Yes. Why are you in that? Two reasons. Demographics. It's partly demographics. But here's the thing. You know, a lot of people think about assisted living as as being needed for the baby boomers. I mean, you're a baby boomer, but the youngest baby boomers are not at the age of being in assisted living yet. Still another 12 to 15 years to go. So would you build something 15 years early? I wouldn't. What we find is that in most primary markets, it's actually overbuilt. If it has an NFL team, chances are it's overbuilt. What we're finding is that the major national players have largely ignored secondary markets and a lot of suburban markets. And, of course, real estate, like you know, is hyper-local. So 
there's there's a whole bunch of different dynamics there and one of them is that a lot of people are being pushed into skilled nursing inappropriately what kind of nursing skilled nursing so nursing homes with you know where you have the highest level of service yeah that's 85 plus and stuff right if you look at the six human needs you know the ability to feed yourself clothe yourself you know use the bathroom all that kind of stuff there's a lot of folks that are being pushed into skilled nursing where assisted living would be much more appropriate a low, much lower cost point right and what we found is that it's important to get into uh, a situation where you know these big box facilities I call it a hospital with a better paint job. They're very institutional. If people have lived in a home their entire life, they don't want to be in an institution. Right. They want to be in a home because that's what they know. And if you, especially if you're dealing with memory care issues. Well, that's why hospice was such a good idea. Well, the other thing that's happening is in hospice is the cost of hospice can be high. So Medicaid is actually bringing the hospice to the patient. So we have people in assisted living who can be in end of life, and they will bring the hospice to the patient. They don't have to relocate. Uh, so that's that's an important step as well. But the key to be in the residential model is better care, better food, and better socialization. Right. I've, I've looked at several because I'm going into assisted living myself. Okay. I'm not a developer, though. Right. But um, I did this research project. Some of them make it and some of them fail. Yes. But the, the best one, I think, is someplace in Texas. Mm-hmm. Because the baby boomers are still partying on, you know, I mean? <laughs> and it's still it's still sex, drugs, and rock and roll for the old guys. Because <laughs> they have the ratio of women to men is yeah. <laughs> like five to one or something. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like all these condo Casanovas are running around chasing these old women and women chasing these old men, and they have parties every night and they're drinking and all this. And I say those are the ones that are doing well. The ones for the nearly dead aren't doing so well. Right, right, right. And so it's it's all demographics again. You know, I mean, yeah. what does a what does a customer want? So I was just laughing. But the property we had for sales right on Camelback in Phoenix. Yes, yeah, it's the it's the last major property. It's you know five point six acres on Camelback, okay. which is hard to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a sports club. You know. A, okay, I know exactly where it is. Yeah, yeah. A fitness center. Yeah, yeah. The trouble is. This life fitness comes in, and they built a high-end fitness center walking distance from my fitness center. Right. You know, so it's high-end. It's targeted probably for millennials and that generation. With two swimming pools and yeah, all that stuff. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, I'm thinking about joining it. <laughs> but anyway, so this assisted living company comes along, and they offer us more than we would ever. And why? Because they're moving into the trend. Right. And, you know, like... All the baby boomers wish they didn't, weren't going to get older, but you can't fool Mother Nature. You that's know? true. It's going to happen, like it or not. So that's why, you know, my wife Kim was she's a very beautiful, wonderful woman, but she's a tough negotiator, and she would not budge on our price. And these guys were doing their best to, you know, snake charm her down, but she says, "Look, you guys, this is the last major piece sitting on Camelback, and you know you'll make your money back." So she did her research on assisted living also, and it's the trend. So all you baby boomers up there, you can't help but get older. So one day you may be living in one of them. They'll, uh, this will touch everybody, whether it's as an investor or as a resident. Everyone's going to be involved in this part of the business at some point. But, you know, I have a friend of mine who's paying 18000 a month for his mother. 
Is that pretty standard? That's high because you could actually live in your own home and have round-the-clock care in your own home oh, at well, that price. She needs. She, I mean, she's yeah, you could do three shifts of round-the-clock care at that price. At that price. Most what we're finding depends on the market. So, for example, in the New York area, right around New York City, we see ten to twelve thousand dollars a month. But that's New York, including often a large buy-in. You know, one, two, three hundred thousand dollar buy-in, which you get back. You know, your estate will get that back, I guess. Um, or what's more common in the user pay segment of the market is in the four to $5,000 per month. You're still getting good quality of care. It's a bargain compared with round-the-clock care in your own home. It's still expensive, but it's yeah. it's a bargain. And then typically a premium for memory care, maybe another $1,000, yeah. 1200 a month for that. Well, that's that's what it was. Is he and his wife don't want to take care of her because she has dementia. Right. And she's, she, I remember her when she when I was a little boy. Yeah. She was the sweetest woman on earth. Now she's as mean as a rattlesnake. <laughs> I mean, her personality, her, I think her, her true personality came out, if you, you know what I mean. You know, it's funny. Um, I heard you a, never know on this stuff. I had a very interesting, I heard a very interesting quote of someone who, whose wife, you know, got Alzheimer's and, uh, you know, people said, well, why are you spending so much time with your wife? Because she can't remember anything. And he said, well because I remember who she was. That's why he's continuing I to. I see, that's nice. Right? That's nice. But we're moving into that time. Yes. So the demographics are coming in. So that's why we're moving into assisted care. I just told my wife I want in the clause in the contract that I get the penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> What, take a close look at the at the uh, at the numbers. Like I said, in some areas they're overbuilt. You know the occupancies are falling in a bunch of areas. So yeah. you definitely do do your market research, which I and I know you will do. So well, I don't. I'm I'm not the developer. I just right right lease them a land for a hundred years, which is what right. I want to do. Okay. Well, thank you, Victor. Well, Robert, lovely to see you again. Thank you so much. Thank you well, so thank much. you, Victor. And uh, can't wait to see you again on the on the summit at Sea. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great because you know I'm going to give a plug is the theme of the sum of the sea is infinite returns, you know, where it takes no money to be an investor. And that's, I've been doing that since 1973. And so when somebody says it takes money to make money, come to the sum of the sea with the real estate guys because you'll find out it doesn't take money to make money. It takes no money at all. Infinite returns. I can't wait. And thanks for, thanks for pointing my book, Second Chance. I appreciate it. Right on. Thank you, Robert. Great to see you again. Thank you, Victor. Well, I love that conversation with Robert. You know, one of the chapters in my book, Magnetic Capital, talks all about building relationship. And, you know, the first couple times that I interviewed Robert, it was very much an interview. But over time, we've got to know each other a little bit. We've developed a bit of a relationship. And this interview did not feel like an interview. It actually felt like a genuine conversation. And that speaks to investing in the relationship. And that's the difference of a genuine relationship. In that conversation, I got something out of it. I learned something from Robert, and he learned something from me. I want to develop a relationship with him because he has a lot that he can teach me. It's not because he's a famous guy and because he sold 40 million books or anything like that. I can genuinely learn something from him, and I value the relationship. That's it. It really starts and ends with relationship. As you're thinking about that, go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.